the quality of your life is simply two things, meaning and emotions. Literally because nothing has any meaning except the meaning you choose to give it. Let's take a relationship, for example. Is this the end or is this the beginning? Because when it comes to a relationship, if you treat it like the beginning of the relationship, there will never be an end. Let's talk about emotions. If you are angry and frustrated, how are you going to treat people that bump into you randomly? Versus, it's your birthday, you got all the gifts, all the lights are green, you're driving, you're getting everywhere you want to go, and you're feeling fantastic. Someone bumps into you unexpectedly, how are you going to treat them? This is one of the most profound things that I've learned from Tony Robbins, and I want to share it with you to break down how you can take control of the meaning that you choose to give things in your life, regardless of the interactions, regardless of your circumstances, and how, yes, you can choose your emotions. This isn't about being fake. This isn't about forcing things. It's simply that there is a formula for how you feel. Everything, things you don't wanna feel and things that you do. You don't have to wait and, and achieve and do all these things and make your emotions dependent on circumstances, on success, on achievement. It is a simple three-step formula. And I'm super hyped to get into this because it is literally life-changing. And I'm speaking from experience, from someone who has overcome severe depression, from someone who's overcome anxiety. I'm saying this to tell you, this stuff works. It literally changed my life, which is why I wanna make this episode and I wanna share these tools with you so that you can use it to take your life to the next level, the level of joy that God designed you to live in. Because the biggest gift that God gave us is the gift of choice. You get to choose what things mean. You also get to choose how you feel. But Adam, what do you mean? What if bad things happen? Look at the world, people do bad things to me. I'm wrong, there's injustice. And I'm not discounting that. I'm telling you that you get to choose what that means and you get to choose how you feel. So let's first start at the first component, meaning. Nothing has any meaning except the meaning you choose to give it. And you get to choose based on what you focus on. Now, this will take some rewiring, I'll just be honest and upfront with you, because of how our brains are designed. Our brains are not designed to make us happy or successful. And I know I've shared this several times in other episodes because it's so important. It is foundational to taking control of your mind. Your mind is the battlefield. Because not to go too deep, but here's the reality. We think that we're humans going about and having spiritual experiences, but the reality is we are spiritual beings having a human experience. The battles that we fight are not against flesh and blood. They are in the spiritual realm. And when it comes to that, the battlefield that we are in in our life is in the mind. Because if you don't master the mind, the mind will master you. And understanding how it's designed, not for a self-sabotage or to make life difficult, but it's designed from a good intention. It's designed to do something very simple, to keep you alive, to keep you surviving. That doesn't mean happy or successful. 
It means to keep you alive. And when it comes to meaning, this is why that's important. Your brain exists to find danger so that it can point it out and you can pay attention to it for the purpose of avoiding it. Because you can't survive if you aren't aware of the danger. If you are aware of the danger, you can avoid it and survive. So the brain exists, the reason we're, quote, bent towards negativity is so from a good place to keep us alive. So when we are looking at things, our default setting is to look for what's wrong. I'll, I'll speak from my career experience. I was a pharmacist for over a decade, and we're trained to look for what's wrong because if we, this is true story, no pressure, but this is literally what it was. If I made one mistake, I could have killed someone. That's literally what's at stake as a pharmacist. You're the final line of defense. So if y'all know any pharmacists, give them some extra love. Shout out to my fam. Because the reality is if we miss one thing, it could kill someone. So we are trained to look for what's wrong as a means to prevent danger or harm from happening to other people. Now, in the context of that, it is helpful. However, if we're always looking for what's wrong, you can see how that plays out in life, especially with your family, with date night, with your friends. If you're always looking and talking about what's wrong, people are going to distance themselves from you over time. So the thing to keep in mind is that our default setting is our brain trying to keep us alive, looking for what's wrong. So we're always looking for what's wrong. So if you're focusing and finding the meaning that you're giving to situations that are unjust, to people that are wronging you, that life hates you, that God is mad at you, here's the question to turn it around. What else could this mean? What else could this mean? It's based on your beliefs because my core belief is rooted in Romans 8.28, which says, and we know that in all things, all things work for the good of those who are called according to his purposes. So if that's true, if all things are for the good of you, it ties into my core belief of what life is. And here's what it is. Our life is designed for us to grow and evolve as souls to help other people. The gifts that we're given are not for us. They're given for us to develop. They're given for us to steward and grow and wield so that we can use them to help other people. Life is a classroom and we are continually growing our character so that we can become grown into helping others to be more adept, to be skillful. So if you're going through trials, perhaps it's trying you to the next level. If you're going through challenges, perhaps those are growth opportunities. It's all about what you choose to focus on because nothing has any meaning except the meaning you choose to give it. So if you're in a rough situation, perhaps the meaning is that this is just taking you to the next level. Perhaps the meaning is that God cares more about your character than he does your comfort. And all things are working for the good of those called according to his purpose. So perhaps the meaning isn't that God hates you. Perhaps he cares so much about you that he's leading you to situations to grow and develop your character. If you want to fight for your limitations, 
if you want to fight for what's wrong, if you want to fight for playing the pity card and being a victim, guess what? What you fight for, you get to keep. So if you want to fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. I invite an alternative option. I'm not saying brush things under the rug, allow injustice, or downplay anything that is not needing to be righted. Make things right, all those of course, and ask yourself this question. What else could this mean? I'll give you a fun example. Let's say you're driving. Let's take a real world example. Let's say you're driving and someone cuts you off or, or you see someone driving recklessly and they go through a red light. No one gets hurt, but they're just driving reckless. You probably see this on a daily basis. Now our default and what society tells us is look at that jerk. He's such a menace to society, blah, 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 blah. And when you give meaning in that way, you're going to feel a certain way. You're going to feel upset. You're going to feel frustrated. And again, when you're upset and frustrated, what are you going to likely do to other people? How are you going to treat people if you're in an upset and frustrated state? Are you going to be kind and generous? Or are you going to be more cynical and condemning? I invite you to switch and exchange condemnation for curiosity. You hear through the speakers in the store, a song that has a beat that you just can't help it, but you're tapping your fingers on the cart, you're tapping your foot, and before you know it, you're feeling absolutely fantastic. And you have no idea why? That's how powerful physiology is. It'll influence how you feel without you even being aware of it. Music is the fastest way to influence your physiology, the fastest way to influence, the fastest way to change your state. The fastest way to change your emotion is changing your body posture. And again, it's not your emotion that determines the body posture, it's your body posture that directs and determines how you feel. That's the first component. That's the reason that's at the base of the triad because it's the foundation, the fastest way to change how you feel. Now let's go to the second component. The second component that creates every single emotion you feel is focus and beliefs. Focus and beliefs. Because, like we talked about with meaning, everything has both two things happening at the same time. There's a loss and there's a gain. There's something going right and something left to be desired. Both are happening at the same time. And guess what? The great news is you get to choose. You get to choose which of the two you focus on. The biggest gift God gave us is our gift of choice. So if you're feeling poopy, it's because you're focusing on what's wrong. And the good news about that is that you found the 50% that you don't want to find, which now means you've got a 100% chance of finding the right thing due to process of elimination. So let's celebrate that. That's amazing. Again, don't take my word for it. Let's play a little game. Let's imagine, so imagine for a moment, that you're at your favorite restaurant. Imagine it. You're at your favorite restaurant, and I want you to imagine your favorite dish your favorite food at your favorite restaurant. 
You're probably getting hungry. You might have a smile on your face. It's okay. I won't tell anyone. Imagine you're at your favorite restaurant and you've just ordered your favorite meal and you place the order and you're waiting for it to come. You're so excited. And while you're waiting, you see over in the corner that there's a bag of trash. And as you look closer, as you focus on the bag of trash, you see that it's so full that it's spilled out. It's spilled out and there's trash on the floor. And the more you focus on it, you actually see that there's flies. And the more you focus on it, you see that there's actually maggots. And if you're in your favorite restaurant, having just ordered your favorite meal in the world, and the only thing you're focusing on is the trash, and the only thing you're focusing on is the trash, how are you going to feel? What's that gonna influence with what you believe about your restaurant now? Now, let's take that same scenario. So shake that off, let's, <laughs> let's get rid of that feeling. Let's imagine the same scenario. You're at your favorite restaurant. You order your favorite meal in the world. You're so excited. And as you placed your order and you're waiting, you notice in the corner, there's a bag of trash. But you choose to focus instead on being at your favorite restaurant. You are so excited. Your favorite dish is on the way. You can hardly contain yourself. And if all you focus on is your favorite dish, how much you appreciate it, the texture, the flavor, the smell, how it looks when it comes out, the presentation. If the only thing you focus on is your favorite dish that is minutes from being in front of you, how are you going to feel? How is that going to influence your belief about how grateful you are to be alive? Notice that your feeling was totally different, yet we changed nothing about your circumstance or your situation. The only thing we changed was what you chose to focus on. And when you focused on something different, it influenced what you believed, which totally changed your feeling and emotion. That's why focus and beliefs are the second component to every single emotion, which leads us to our third and final component of the triad, the third component that creates any and every emotion that you can feel and experience. And that third component is language. Language. Because words have power. Language is the words or phrases that you say out loud to another person, say out loud to yourself, or most often, the inner self dialogue that you have to yourself in your own head. Words are important because what you speak about comes about. Don't take my word for it. Let's take a, a quote from the good book. Let's see how this is used in the Bible. Literally in the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, it talked about how God created the world and all that we know and all that we are. Now, God, the creator and king and master of the universe, did not snap his fingers to create you and I, did not snap his fingers or just a mat, like he didn't create things just from snapping his fingers. It says in Genesis, 
God spoke. So I'm curious, if God himself, creator of the universe, all that is and all that ever will be, if God himself had to use words to create things, and you're looking to create an emotion that you want, I wonder if you're using that intentionally. Because if God himself had to use language to put things into existence, who are you to try without them? It is so powerful and so simple. Again, don't take my word for it. Let's try a game. Think to yourself, this sucks. How are you going to feel? Instead, think, this is awesome. You're going to feel totally different, aren't you? Because words have power. What you speak about comes about. And thoughts become things when we focus on them and put them into practice. Those are the three components of every single emotion that you feel in life. Physiology, focus and beliefs, and language. Every single emotion is created like a blueprint from those things, both the things you do want and the things that you don't. Here's how you can use this in practice. If you are feeling a way that you do not want to feel, Let's say that you're feeling depressed. Use these three to reverse engineer. I call this a reverse triad. Identify the emotion because the first step of change is awareness. So once you identify what you're feeling that you don't want to feel, you name it to tame it. So identify, I feel depressed. Do you want to feel that way? I'm hoping no. So when you say, no, I don't want to feel that way, and you've identified the emotion, now you can look at those three components and do a little assessment. And you need to be honest. All change starts from awareness and all progress starts from telling the truth. So don't BS yourself. Let's be real. Let's say you're feeling depressed. Let's start from the bottom and go around the triad. Physiology. Think to yourself, have you ever been depressed? Or let's ask a better question. If you went out in a crowd right now, and I told you that you'd win some special award. We'd give you money to your favorite charity if in less than 10 seconds, you can pick someone out from the crowd who's depressed. Would you be able to do it? Absolutely. And you're not a psychiatrist and you don't have ESP or ESPN or whatever that's called, <laughs> but you're able to point out someone that's depressed. How do you do that? Because you're able to identify their physiology. If they're standing, they're likely hunched over, looking down. If they're walking, they're likely walking slowly. If they're sitting, they're hunched over, their faces looking down. Think about that. So when you can identify the feeling you don't want, and again, the feeling doesn't create the physiology, it's the physiology that creates the feeling. So identifying the feeling you don't want, you go to the base, the foundation of the triad, where that emotion's coming from and you see what's going on, creating what you don't like, and you simply do the opposite. So if you're feeling how you don't wanna feel, you feel depressed, you look at the physiology, and if they're hunched forward, what's the opposite? Stand up. If you're sitting, stand. If you're hunched over and breathing shallow or not breathing, stand up, put your shoulders back, chest up. Breathe deep into your chest, deep intentional breaths. If your head's down, look straight ahead. 
you're probably frowning. Let's put a smile on that face. Smile. Because when you smile, you'll think, why am I smiling? Which is a question that will direct your focus. Because where focus goes, energy flows. And the most easy way to direct focus is through questions. If you want a different answer, ask a different question. If the answer you're getting is not one you want, the answer of, I feel depressed, perhaps ask a different question. What could I be happy about right now? What am I grateful for? What is the most amazing, unexpected blessing that I have witnessed or experienced this week? What's something that I've been able to overcome? What's something that I'm proud of? What's the nicest thing that someone's ever done to me? When was a time where I had a courageous act? And when you ask these questions, it'll direct your focus to get an equal answer to the quality of question you ask. Ask a different question, get a different answer. The quality of questions you ask directly determines the quality of life you live because again, life is meaning and emotion. So when you ask a quality question, it directs your focus towards what you want to feel, and then you'll feel what you want to feel, which will impact your quality of life. And when you focus on the achievements, when you focus on when you did make a comeback, on the right things that you did, because what's wrong is always available. Turn on the news. But so is what is right. And the way to find what is right, the way to focus on what's right, is to ask a different question. So to our example on depression, if we're looking at what we're focused on when we're depressed, again, reverse engineering, identifying the feeling we don't want to feel, and then looking at what am I focusing on when I'm depressed? Well, you're likely focusing on what's wrong. You're likely focusing on how other people have wronged you. You're likely focusing on how you failed. You're likely focusing on things that you've lost, people that you've lost, bad decisions that you've made. This makes you feel real uplifted, doesn't it? <laughs> See, even given the example is influencing you. So if we identify what we don't want to feel, depression, and we're identifying reverse engineering, if I'm depressed, what am I focusing on? You identify it and then you just simply do the opposite. So if I'm focusing on what's wrong, what could be right? If I'm focusing on what I lost, what could I have gained? If I'm focusing on the bad decision that I made, what good came out of that? What did making that decision prevent me from doing more of? Did that bad decision bring an awareness that caused me to change my perspective? Because when we change, we grow, and growth is a sign of life. Again, nothing has any meaning except the meaning you choose to give it. And when we look at growth, growth equals happiness, because happiness is progress, and another word for progress is growth. So if we had something that we're focused on that didn't go right, 
did that not cause and become a catalyst for you to grow in your awareness, to change your approach, to have a better perspective or maybe more well-rounded perspective? Could growing your perspective actually be a benefit? Could it be that challenges are actually opportunities to grow and expand? And if that is your focus, would that not influence your belief that all things work for the good of those called according to his purpose? Could it influence your belief that life is actually a classroom and lessons are repeated until learned? And if you're stuck in a cycle, perhaps it's that we haven't learned the lesson. So perhaps we need to change our approach. And by changing our approach, perhaps we change our perspective and our awareness. And by doing that, does that not lead to our own growth of character, our own growth of sensitivity and awareness? And if we're growing in that capacity, does that not mean we're making progress? And, and progress in any capacity, progress is progress. Even a 1%, a 0.1% increment in progress, progress is still progress. And progress is happiness. And when it comes to people, when it comes to people, perhaps your belief with these people, perhaps just like the example with people driving, what else could this mean? Perhaps that if life is a classroom and lessons are repeated until learned, perhaps God brings people into your life for one of three reasons, to be the professors, the deliverers of lessons for you to learn. Perhaps that people come into your life for one of three reasons. For them to teach you something, for you to teach them something, or both. And if everyone coming into your life, even the abrasive ones, are there to teach you something, to help you grow, to grow your character, so that you can take the gifts that you've been given by God to steward, grow and develop them for helping and pouring into other people, perhaps life is more beautiful than we've noticed. And when we say these things and think these things, perhaps that influences our language. And when we have these types of discussions, looking at what's right, looking at how life is happening for us, not to us, Perhaps our language is influenced to focus on what's right and growth. And perhaps what we speak about comes about because perhaps words have power, so much so that God himself had to speak things into existence. And perhaps when we look at the emotion we don't want to feel, like depression, and we see what words am I thinking out loud? This sucks. Why does... This always happened to me. I'm such a failure. I'll never get it right. What's the cause? What's the point? Why even try? I've tried everything. Makes you feel real empowered, doesn't it? Or maybe it makes you feel depressed. So when you can identify the words and phrases that you're saying out loud or in your internal dialogue to yourself, perhaps you can identify those and see that by speaking these, it's creating something you don't want to feel. So instead you pause, not a self-judgment, just an awareness. You pause and you say, this is leading me to feel depressed. 
How do I want to feel? Maybe it's just the opposite. Instead of this happened to me, perhaps it's this happened for me because again, life is a classroom and lessons are repeated until learned because all things work for the good of those called according to his purpose. And that even the trials, even the, the tests that you're put through are perhaps there to create a testimony for you to encourage others stuck where you came from. Perhaps the trials are designed for you to go through so that you can speak about them as triumphs. Perhaps that when you change the language and you change what you speak about and what you think about, you change what you come about. Because all emotions stem from your physiology, what you're doing with your body, your focus and beliefs, which are often driven by questions. And if you are choosing to look at what's wrong or what's right, and the language, the words and phrases that you say to others, that you say to yourself or that you think to yourself in your inner dialogue. Perhaps every emotion is by design and that oftentimes the design seems to be by default just because we're not aware of the simple three-pronged process that creates every single emotion that you experience. The ones that you do want to feel and the ones that you don't want to feel. So once you identify how you don't want to feel, you can reverse engineer and simply do the opposite. And when it comes to creating the ones you do want to feel, my guess is that you felt how you want to feel before. I'm also guessing that there was a memory, a moment in your life where you felt that emotion to an intense level, where you felt courageous, where you felt confident, where you felt unstoppable. And in that memory, in that moment, if you step back in time and you relive it by engaging your senses, back to the moment, back to the memory when you felt that amazing feeling that you want to feel again. And you think back and you think, what was I focusing on? What did I see? What did I feel? What did I hear? Was there a smell? Was I tasting something? When you engage your senses to reconnect to that vision and memory, you step into it as if it's happening again. And then you can focus on in that moment, in that memory that I'm reliving, what was I doing with my physiology, my posture, my breathing, my facial expression, my walking or sitting? How about what was I focusing on? Was I focusing on the amazing courageousness I had and how I broke through the fear by doing it afraid anyway? What did that influence with my belief? What did I believe in that moment that made me feel unstoppable? Did I believe that life was happening for me and not to me? Did I believe that I was meant to overcome this? Did I believe that this only makes the story that much sweeter? What sort of language was I using in that moment, in that memory? Was I talking about what's possible? Or was I talking about what's limiting me? Was I looking at the, the confirmation and the, the encouragement that other people were speaking? Was I bringing to mind all of the things that brought me to that moment to make this an amazing opportunity to step into the next level of life? 
to recognize that it is now my time to step up and unapologetically own my fire and become the man of God he made me to be, to live a life worthy of the calling I have received. Because when we shift our focus on our physiology, on our beliefs, and in the words, the phrases that we speak and think to ourselves, perhaps the recipe for the feeling that we want to experience has been within us the whole time. And that's the takeaway from this. Your life is determined by the meaning and emotions you choose to experience. That's the good news is you get to choose. You get to choose. It's simple. And if you've been living how you don't want to feel for decades, it doesn't mean it'll be overnight because you've had lots of practice in focusing on the meaning you don't want and the emotions, the triad that you don't want to feel. So it's a process. But now that we see that it's simple, it gives us clarity. And clarity is power. Because if we know what to do, we're a lot more likely to do it. And if you do it, you're able to put in the work. And the plan that works is the one you work. And if it's simple work to do, perhaps it might just work by you simply doing it because it's so simple, because you can clearly see how it works. Life is all in your choice. It's the most amazing gift that Father God gave us. It's incredible. It's amazing if you choose to make it so. So I encourage you to use these tools. Be intentional with the meaning you choose in the moment. Be intentional with how you're using your physiology. There's a reason I like working out so much. There's a reason I like walking outside and focusing on nature and speaking gratefully about what I appreciate about this moment. Look at the deer, look at the birds, look at the green, look at the blue. I feel like Dr. Doolittle. If you laughed right now, I just influenced your emotion based on what I asked and said out loud to direct your focus. And you literally just laughed and it changed how you felt. That's how powerful and simple this is. And that's the good news. So I encourage you to use this. Be intentional with your meaning. See how emotions work. Use them intentionally so you can intentionally live a life by design instead of by default. And when you recognize that, yes, you get to choose, the possibility of fulfillment gets unlocked and you turn limitations into limitlessness. If you want to stay how you've always been, that's fine. If you want to argue with me, that is your choice. And if you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. And the other thing I'll say is that what you tolerate will continue. So give yourself the permission to start tolerating the life you want. That deep down, you know you're meant for more. You might not know how. You might not know have the plan. It might not even seem possible. But what if it was possible? What if you could do this? What if you were made to succeed? What if you were created on purpose for a purpose? What if you win? What if you follow through? What if this does work out? 
What if it does happen? What if you are meant to be happy? What if? You see, I just changed the meaning through a question, directing your focus, influencing your belief, using language, which might have caused your head to tilt in curiosity, which changed your physiology. And now you might be more curious instead of condemning. It's all linked and it really is that simple. You simply need to take the reins of the life that you were given. Yes, Jesus saved your soul, but you must take part in your own rescue. As I always say, Jesus take the wheel, but you've got to put your foot on the gas. This is your invitation to co-create with the creator, to really step up and live life intentionally, to become a co-creator of life, to reconcile relationships and redeem people's lives. That reconciliation begins of your relationship with you and your relationship with Jesus. Your redemption in people's lives starts from your redemption with yourself, with your creator, with those that you love, maybe with those that have wronged you or that you have wronged yourself. You have that power to choose. That's the biggest gift Father God gave us all, choice. So choose wisely to go forth, be great, and dispense your full potential. God bless. Mm -hmm.